turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Well, as we uh, finish our third hour today, first day of the week, we love doing it with Brandon Weikert. Gives us a tour around the world and the hot spots, as well as a lot of domestic analysis as well. Brandon Weikert, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and his most recent, Biohacked, China's Race to control life, doing interviews all over the place on that, from Prager to Steve Bannon. Well done, Brandon. Well done. Getting it around. Thank you, thank you. It's been a it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, the the, the you had you had you got a lot of attention for the 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 one you did with Steve Bannon. I did, yes, so much so that he he had me come back yeah. on uh, earlier this this last I guess this last week, yes, uh, last minute, and um, that, that, it sounds like he's going to be doing that more often, having me come on. To comment on these kind of geotechnology stories, which is always fun. It's, it's hard to, you know, I think your show is one of the few shows that actually wants to talk about stuff like this, and he, he's another one. So it's always nice to find outlets where I can actually talk about the things that I care about, you know. It's nice, and you were on the Prager show last week. You know what I deduce? You know, what, what is it I usually say about you? If you want to know what's going to be happening in about three to six months, listen to Brandon Weicker today. If you want to if Steve Bannon and Dennis Prager want to know what a good guest is, listen to the Seth Leibson show, and they'll That's make right. him regular in about three to That's six right. months. Yes. <laughs> You're very kind. It's You're more about kind. you than me. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Anthony Blinken is in China. Or yeah. was, and uh, let me just start with this. Last yeah. year, almost exactly a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, Joe Biden goes on sixty Minutes and issues what sounded like new policy vis-a-vis Taiwan. He said, um, let's "See if I can remember." He said, "If uh, if Taiwan is attacked, we will defend it." And if Taiwan wants independence, that's up to them. Well, that was new, it seems, a new policy since going back to, what, maybe 1971 even. And then today, Antony Blinken, it seemed without even being asked a question or urging, said um, Taiwan does not get to choose whether it will be. The United States will not support an independent Taiwan. It seemed it seemed unnecessary for him to say that unless he's directly trying to continue to appease the Chinese. But our, we are broadcasting, increasingly broadcasting confusing signals about the world, it seems like. Yes. Now, there's an old joke from World War II that goes something like this. The, the, uh, if the American, the American general staff used to say, if we don't know what we're doing, how could our enemies yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Doing. Strategic <laughs> ambiguity. <laughs> okay. Something no, tells but, me it's um, not that. No, it's not. It's not. Look, on the one hand... You know, on the one hand, if, if it was just the public pronouncement that we're going to continue the policy that we've had, I think that would have been fine. But you and I both know that that statement could have been made from Washington, D.C. Sure. The fact of the matter is, Blinken, after Biden begged and pleaded with Beijing for months to have Blinken go to Beijing, finally Beijing uh, said, yes, you can come. 
Blinken shows up and he is treated like he's a second class, uh, you know, representative of a tertiary power, not as the leading diplomat for the world's sole remaining superpower by China's leadership. He's treated like he's, uh, you know, the representative of of Mauritania. Mm -hmm. Or in fact, those guys are probably treated better than Blinken was. So we both know that behind the scenes, there was much groveling and begging and pleading from Blinken on behalf of Biden uh, to uh, Xi Jinping's representatives to please be nice, please play nice with us. Basically, Blinken was behaving as a vassal uh, to China's new empire uh, on behalf of his boss, Biden, who was bought and paid for many years ago by the Chinese government uh, through his son, Hunter. So um, that statement that Blinken made is uh, it's not ambiguous and it's not innocuous because we know that in the lead up to that statement was likely a many hours long lecture by Chinese authorities in which Blinken, as the leading diplomat for the United States, basically took one humiliation after the other and then went out and basically reaffirmed a policy that China wants us to reaffirm. So there's no uh, strength being displayed here. There's no greatness on display. It's uh, it's basically the completion of America as a second-class world power in uh, terminal decline. Brandon, um, the whole issue of the United States, China, and Taiwan uh, – it's been it, it has been, to be fair, a little bit to whoever's the president. It has been kicked around a million different ways to Sunday. And I mean, Reagan had his six, what, six principles or something like that. And we always end up relying back on the Taiwan Relations Act. What should not what is, but what should U.S. foreign policy be vis-a-vis Taiwan? Well, when it comes to Taiwan, we we have to walk a tightrope. So on the one hand, we don't want to initiate World War III, which um, likely will happen if Taiwan comes out and says we are not only, you know, sovereign, but we are going to be officially declaring our independence. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be a provocation. Um, But at the same time, at the same time, we can't, be in support of a, of a strategically ambiguous situation in Taiwan and not back that up with some kind of force. So what we should be doing is telling the Taiwanese, you're sovereign and we're going to preserve that sovereignty, even if it's not officially declared as independent. Um, what the issue is, is it sounds like Biden is going to slowly begin withdrawing whatever U.S. support exists uh, for Taiwan as China is ramping up their threat to Taiwan. And so that's the big issue here. Be, like I said, it'd be one thing if Blinken had just maintained an ambiguous policy backed up by consistent displays of U.S. power, U.S. support for Taiwan. But that's not what's going on. We know that this is a prelude to a much larger pivot by the Biden administration in anticipation for what they think will be a second Biden term in which Biden foreign policy toward China vis-a-vis Taiwan is increasingly dictated by the doves, notably John Kerry, who longs for the mother of all deals on global warming with China, which will be nothing more than a giveaway to China and a surrender of American sovereignty and strength to Beijing. 
Uh, but this is where it's headed, especially if Biden, God help us, can win re-election by hook or by crook. This is part and parcel to the entire trip, first of all. And even the seating arrangements, I have to tell you, around the table where Xi Jinping held court with Antony Blinken far down to his side, just amongst all the other Chinese uh, panjandrums. You know, it's something I think I think you 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 liked or approved on Twitter that that Arthur Herman wrote. They, they, yes. What we don't realize is China has no room for a second superpower. They, That's they, right. They're not treating us as as another superpower. They're not treating no. us as another country. I think he said we're all Uyghurs now, or we're all Uyghurs. To we me. are. That is exactly. He's a hundred percent correct. And like I said to you earlier, just now. Uh, and I said to Arthur as well, who's a dear friend um, at the Hudson Institute, uh, I said, um, we are a vassal state. That is what we are behaving mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. under Biden. And I want to make it clear, the two greatest geopolitical threats that China faces today is their neighbor to the north, Russia, and the United States just across the Pacific. And if you look at what's going on, With the Ukraine war, Russia under Putin has become a willful, vassal state member of the new Chinese Eurasian Empire. And now it seems like the Biden administration is doing everything in its power to sell out our friends in the region, notably Taiwan, in the vain hope of us becoming basically Mm -hmm. a vassal state Mm -hmm. to Xi Jinping's new Chinese empire. Mm -hmm. And that's where this is headed. So Arthur's completely correct um, that we are all Uyghurs. Remember, the the Chinese view the world for 4,000 years in concentric circles, with the center of of those concentric circles being Beijing and the emperor. In this case, it's Xi Jinping. And we in the United States, by geography and culture, we are on the outer perimeter yeah. of those circles. We are the barbarians in much the same way that Beijing views the Uyghurs yeah. as Muslim Turkic, uh, uh, ethnic Turkic members of China. They are not considered the same as Han Chinese. They are barbarians yeah. as well. We're all barbarians and we are all being treated as such by the Chinese. Let me pick up on just another small angle on that and then move on to uh, some other issues. I'd love to do some domestic. You wrote a bunch at 1945.com. I did. Yeah, I know. It's great on the domestic scene. By the way, I should add, Brandon Weikert is also a senior editor at 1945.com, 1945.com. He and I will be right back. Are you whistling along, Brandon? I am sorry. It's okay. <laughs> People come for the talk here. They stay for the music. I'm glad you're you, one of them. You have the best bumper music in all of time. It's all radio. I needed I to hear. That Nothing makes that. me happier than, than to hear that. <laughs> That's what we aim for. Brandon Weichert is my guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. His most recent book, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Worth following on Twitter, too, at We the Brandon. We just the collective I. Uh, uh, we the Brandon, and um, you'll, you know, it's just a very active Twitter feed. You learn a lot just following him on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, one last thing about this notion of the way China views us and the way Biden, the Biden administration views how we should be poised in the world, positioned in the world. You, I, I kind of connect a few different dots. It, it was weird to me that the Democratic Party pretty much en masse, and to a perfection under Joe Biden, 
goes after the notion of America first, goes after the notion of make America great again, calls mm-hmm. these, you know, these, 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 uh, what phrases, um, extreme. Racist. Yeah. Racist. If not, oh yeah. Extreme. And it dawns on me, you know, from a party that didn't like it having its, it, it's having its patriotism questioned. There's something to it that underlies just the political shibboleth of calling it extremism. They really believe America should not be great again. I mean, Andrew Cuomo said the quiet part out loud. He said America was never that. I think they really don't want us as a superpower. I really don't think it's necessarily even about, will appeasement work? You know, it's not even that question. I think they want to reduce America's footprint and moral standing in the world. I think they think we don't deserve to be that country. Well, I think you're 100% correct. Um, They don't believe that America is worth it. We are an inherently racist, misogynistic country. Uh, Brian Cranston, who's, of course, famous uh, as the the lead character, Walter White, in Breaking Bad. And the dentist in Seinfeld, let me remind people. The dentist in Seinfeld. Watley. Watley. Yes. Watley, yes. A very talented guy yeah. who really went far in our country, yeah. and he's walking around saying that if you were to ask African Americans, make America great again, that would be highly offensive because it wasn't really that great for them. Yeah. And so that's the kind of mentality on the left you're dealing with. Um, so you're right. They don't want us in our current form. Remember, the entire left-wing progressive uh, experiment since the twentieth, early 20th century, late 19th century has been to effectively shred the U.S. Constitution as so that they can impose this sort of centralized bureaucracy of the experts for the experts uh, upon us. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let any pesky uh, civil rights or constitutional rights get in their way to achieve those grand centralized ambitions to make the United States a lot like Prussia of the 19th and early 20th century. Um, a very centralized bureaucratic state. Uh, and so that's, you know, so in their eyes, until we get to that perfect um, socialist utopia, which of course is impossible, but until we get there with them in charge, we won't be a great country and we aren't worth, uh, you know, the sacrifice and, and fighting for. Um, interestingly, the reason that you know, because on, on some level, um, the isolationist or neo-isolationist right has a lot in common with the far left in the sense that they don't want America to be involved too much in the rest of the world. Now, the difference, I would argue, is that in defense of the neo-isolationist right, it sounds like they make that argument because they favor rebuilding a strong industrial center here in the United States to really make America an independently strong country, whereas the left, not only do they not want America to be too involved globally, but they actually want to make sure that America is perennially and permanently weak at home as well as abroad. And so that, to me, just makes them pure evil. That's a great distinction. That's an important moral distinction. It's like the difference between the civil rights opponents uh, in the Southern Democratic Party in 1964 who opposed 
uh, civil rights because they were racist and Barry Goldwater, who just was not a racist but thought through libertarian principles the government didn't have a business right. uh, telling businesses what to do. It's that it's that fine distinction and it's a good one, Brandon, and, I, and I'm glad you brought it up because what animates the Democrats on foreign policy, and it has now for far too long, including during the Cold War, is that they simply don't see a moral difference between us and every other nation. Barack Obama no. took it to a fairly well in his first year in office, his first months in office, with the apology tour. But there's no difference between the apology tour and what Joe Biden is doing now. Joe Correct. Biden is merely is is merely you know putting in sharp relief what Barack Obama said. Right, and I would like to add that there is a deep connection, a nexus between. This hate America, blame America first, as Gene Kirkpatrick would say. Blame America first mentality and foreign policy with this hatred of America as it exists at home. That you can't have that blame America first mentality and foreign policy without also having that we hate the U.S. constitutional order as founded by the founding fathers uh, that, that seems to animate the left and has always animated the left since at least the 1930s. And so those two factors congealed together to produce now this noxious, toxic brew that is the Biden administration. And if we're not careful, Seth, I really think the Biden administration may be the last real presidency of this country, because if we get 2024 wrong, and I'm fearful that we're going to, that's the end of the American experiment as we understand it. Whatever happens after that, is going to be something far less great and far more subservient to foreign interests uh, than anything our founders would have envisioned or yep. wanted. Yep. Yeah, it would be it would do well for the left to listen to that foreign policy expert Joe Lewis, the former boxer. Remember what he said when he enlisted in 1942 and he was asked how he could enlist as a black man in the white man's army. He said lots of things wrong with America. Hitler ain't going to fix them. That's right. You know, you have to be able to make these distinctions. And obviously we've come so much farther. I mean, it's a different. different I would even say, say, uh, you know, there's a lot of things wrong in America, but the EU can't fix it, which tends to be the model that the left wants us to follow. If, if, you know, if we're lucky, that's what they want. In worst case scenario, we end up looking a lot like the Soviet Union. Um, But but basically. There's Bernie no Sanders thing. has said that. He wants That's that. Right. There's nothing wrong That's with right. breadlines. Excuse me. Breadlines are a good thing, and there's no reason for 16 brands of deodorant or sneakers. That's or, right. Um, they, That's actually, right. They, they will say it if you listen to they them. They will. Yeah. That, that's right. And, you know, we can talk about Biden being more moderate than Bernie, but I think that's just in terms of tone and rhetoric. I don't actually think there's much removed between he and Bernie anymore. I don't even um, know where Biden, you know, I don't even know what country Biden thinks he represents. I, I got to take a break. But, well, it, he finished a speech on Friday by saying God, God save, save the queen. queen. Yeah. Which, as my producer pointed out, also means he doesn't know Britain has a king. Right. <laughs> okay. Let Brandon, let's do some domestic when we come right back. I sure. want to float um, a thought by you. Brandon Brandon Weikert is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at We the Brandon. His most recent book, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, increasingly opening eyes and hitting number one categories all over Amazon. He and I will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Um, to maintain the ability for people like Brandon Weikert to say we have the best bumper music, I think we need to get rid of that one. I don't know how that one got in there. <laughs> that sounds like the Carpenters. What is it, David? It is the Carpenters. Yeah, what I is think. it? What is it? I don't know the name. Yeah, uh, David will tell me. Be called Top oh. of the World. Oh, well, get to the chorus on that. The, the chorus is good. I, just the opening lines don't get us there. If you want to keep the song, I'll let you do it, but we've got to get to better lyrics. Brandon, let me play with you on domestic a little bit, because I, sure. think, I think as long as we're on the Democratic Party, there are some solutions, but boy, it's going to take an awful lot to get to them. I have been increasingly uh, watching Gavin Newsom. And I got to tell you, the man is (coughs) very talented, Um, rhetorically and as a politician. Yes, California is a basket case. I don't know that it matters anymore. I don't think facts matter to people anymore. I think it's 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 if facts mattered, we wouldn't be living in this Hans Christian Andersen emperor, no closed world with Joe Biden as president. Yeah. Um, it's there's something else and and man i'm telling you he's just really good anyone who doubts it watch a speech or watch his interview with hannity last week i thought that was his best interview he was really good wasn't he so if you're the democratic party and you're nervous about 2024 which they are um i think they think they have to i mean i think the thinking is they should have gavin newsom They've got two problems there. One, Joe Biden has to go, which is not a small problem, uh, though Lyndon Johnson did in 68, I suppose. Um, but by, but how do you replace, if you're the Democratic Party, a white Californian with a black female Californian that they made such a big deal of, but they also know would probably do worse than even Joe Biden if she were the nominee? Right. They've got a big problem. Right. Maybe you disagree with everything I've said. Maybe you don't think Gavin's as talented as I do. Oh, I think no, he's very no, talented. No, I think oh, no, I think Ben Newsom is the one to watch yeah. out for. Yeah. Um, he will be their nominee okay. in twenty twenty eight. Okay. Uh, in twenty twenty eight, I don't think I think the Repu- I think the Democrats rather are are really happy with Biden. Okay. He is an empty vessel for with in which all of these apparatus chicks can pour their wildest fantasies and extreme politics into and not have to worry about much pushback. Yeah. Um, Biden's presidency is not his own. Yeah. Uh, it is his, it is, he is just a, he's an empty vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Democrats don't want to get rid of that. And, and to be fair, by hook or by crook, Biden proves that he is the one who can beat Trump. And um, he very much and his team want Trump to be the nominee. Now, maybe they end up having to eat crow because of that hope. Maybe Trump is able to best Biden this time. I think but the chances are better now than they were three months ago for probably, some reason. It probably. Just, I, but, I'm saying different things than I was three months ago about that. Right. But still, um, I, I do think that the Biden team has been fairly consistent, not just in their words, but their actions, that they very much want it to be Trump. Now, hopefully, if it is Trump, they get to eat those words. But the reason they're excited is partly because they were able to beat him. Remember, they took sleepy Joe Biden and they used him to defeat Trump, the man who defeated the woman who was supposedly the most qualified candidate to have ever run for president ever, Hillary Clinton. And so Biden did what the brilliant Hillary was unable to do twice. Right. You know, once against Obama in 08, and then yep. against Trump in 16. Yep. So um, Gavin Newsom, though, is very much the future of the Democratic Party. 
He is smooth. He's a, you know, he's a silver tongue SOB. Uh, and he, he knows it and he loves it. Um, and the thing is, he reminds me a lot of Bill Clinton. And yeah, I, Bill, I said that this morning. I, th- I said I think he's yeah. a better Bill Clinton. I think he's he a better. Remind, well, here in the sense that everybody knew Bill Clinton was lying, but right. Bill Clinton lied in such a way that it was fun right. to be lied to. Right. And I think Newsom is the same way because everybody knows Newsom is an awful governor. Right. That nothing in California is working right. the way it's supposed to, right. and yet, yet they're not only giving this guy more time as governor, he beat that recount or yep. that recall at handling. Not by a little. Yeah. Not by a little. Yeah. Uh, but but also that he is he is probably going to be used as the example of, you know, who should take over as the Democratic standard bearer in twenty twenty eight. That's an inter- by- yeah, maybe yeah. that's an interesting point too. But you still have Kamala. The pro- let me let me pick out. This was a short segment. Let's explore this a yeah. little further on the other side. We'll have a little bit more time. Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. His most recent book, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. A lot of his domestic policy and politics writing at 1945.com, where he is a senior editor. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon J. Weichert is my guest. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon. His most recent book, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Newsom, Governor Newsom, Brandon. Um, There was a time in the Obama administration, and it had to do with health care and one other thing. I don't remember if it was a budget issue or something where they would trot out Bill Clinton, bring out Bill Clinton to give national speeches on it. And he kind of earned the nickname as the secretary of explaining things. I don't know if you remember that, but when Barack Obama was struggling with Obamacare, they brought out Bill Clinton for speeches in the national media and yeah. interviews to be the secretary of explaining things. And and you almost wonder in your scenario if that's maybe the role that Gavin Newsom may have in a second or a potentially second Biden term or ideally yeah. even better in a Republican term. He's just the heir apparent. Right. Which that's really the only way he you, you get rid of Kamala in a sense. You have to have a Republican president so that the Democrats have a legitimate primary between a sitting vice president oh, and it, someone else. It doesn't matter. It Kamala's doesn't matter. never Kamala's never going to be elected president. Right, right. Even right. if Biden is elected, and again, by hook or by crook, uh, and then he can't serve out his full term and then Kamala takes over, there's no way that she's going to ever be able to believably run no. for her own election and w- expect to win. Um, so the Democrats, I don't. I, I think it'll be weakened at Bernie's. If, if Biden wins, under no circumstance are they going to let him leave the White House before his second term is over, because Kamala, even if she does manage to become president during that time, she won't be able to reliably run and win a fair election. She's never been able to win a national election. Um, I mean, she's doing terribly in the in the popularity. She's the right only now. person in the administration less articulate than Joe Biden. That's true, and so they're going to be grooming Gavin Newsom to be the heir yeah, apparent. Okay. Um, now, there's still a chance, and I think you were saying this in the last segment. There's a chance that Biden suddenly disappears, yeah, and yeah. they've got to bring in Gavin. The yeah. problem is 
The problem is, constitutionally, it's the same reason for why Trump and DeSantis couldn't run together. You cannot be residents of the same state and run, and I believe uh, Kamala Harris is still her primary residence is listed, I believe, in California, which is, of course, Gavin Newsom's primary residence. So you couldn't have a Harris-Newsom ticket ever uh, for the same reason you can't have a Trump-DeSantis ticket. Uh, so um, she, she could change her residence to D.C. She absolutely could, but I believe, isn't there a two-year... Uh, yeah, there, two year there's some weirdness period? all around that. There's weirdness yeah. all around. Dick Cheney changed it, I think, to Wyoming or something. I don't know. It, back in... Anyway. I was always yeah. under the impression there's some two-year waiting period. Well, there's a weirdness. Wrong. I don't know. There's a bunch of weirdnesses on it. There seem to be a few ways to get around it. But, okay. But, 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 you know, it's... It's it's this it's this interesting question too. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if if Trump beats Biden. I think the chances are better than they used to be. For this reason, same with DeSantis or any Republican. You were talking about earlier, you know, Biden was able to do it in 2020. You know, the American people have short memories. And you know, we had we had this we we elected Barack Obama in 2008 after 8 years of a Republican presidency that ta- that followed a fairly moderate democratic presidency of Bill Clinton and you know Barack Obama was probably the most left-wing president we ever elected until Joe Biden and right. you know Americans got reminded so much so of what leftism is and was they finally decided to th- to to throw it out and go with Donald Trump. You couldn't have a more opposite response to Barack Obama than Donald Trump. And it could be that, you know, Joe Biden is reminding Americans in these four years what leftism is, not through himself per se, but through his administration. And so maybe a Republican does a lot better, be it a DeSantis or a Trump for that matter, than we may otherwise think the polls are beginning to shrink on this a little bit it's obviously early and a lot of different things can happen but i just think if the democrats are wishing and hoping for donald trump as you said i think it's true they may regret that they may be going after him hammer and tong i can't tell if they're going after him hammer and tong because they want to run against him or they don't want to run against him i i can't tell i used to think it's because they wanted to now i'm not so sure they just don't want to put I him away. I still think they'd prefer to run against him because he's a known commodity. Yeah, the thing yeah. is, I, I have a lot of lefty friends. Yeah. And to a T, they all say that they are more concerned about DeSantis because they think he's more competent at governing than okay. Trump ever was. Okay. And so they're worried about after the campaign, DeSantis gets in and he's actually able to execute a MAGA agenda Mm -hmm. that Trump could only ever campaign on and never execute because he didn't have the tools and the personnel to execute this robust revolutionary agenda. Um, You know, Trump is a masterful, as RFK Jr. said to Megyn Kelly a few weeks ago, Trump is probably the greatest campaigner of our era, but as, as I have observed on your show, He's great at campaigning, but his governing style, and it's not all his fault, I understand this, but his governing style is very mixed, to say the least. And so when you're taking on a radical, revolutionary agenda like like he did in 2016, you can't just make the promise. You've got to fulfill the promise, and we didn't get that. And so my concern is that another term would be another unfulfilled promise because Trump just doesn't have the tools or the, the attention span to fully fight and follow through 
on these uh, agendas that he's campaigning on. Um, and so, you know, I I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe the, maybe the Democrats are more. Well, there's one. I, yeah, I don't know either. I, I'm beginning to question that point, though. And the, the as I raised it and and then there's another name that shame on me for not raising because it's becoming increasingly interesting in a lot of different directions. And that's Robert Kennedy, Jr., um, I, I don't know that he can become the nominee in this party right. in this year, but something's going on there. Something's going you, on. Let me let me tell you the thing about RFK. Including Jr. an I independent possibility. Possible, but I don't think he'll. It won't be from him. I don't think he'll. Be, I don't think he'll leave the Democratic Party like that. The odd um, thing is, a lot of Republicans wrongfully are supporting him. I understand that. I support him in the sense that he is a great counterweight to Biden and will be brilliant in hurting him yeah. in a primary that he was not expecting to have to fight. Right. Having said that, the Democratic Party is the party of the superdelegate. The yep. Democratic Party is the party yep. that openly and unapologetically rigged their own primary yep. in 2016 to prevent crazy Bernie right. from decisively beating shrill Hillary. Good point. So, um, you know, this is this, nothing has changed about the Democratic Party. So R.K. Jr. could conceivably overwhelmingly defeat Joe Biden in a primary and yet get to the convention yep. and easily find himself yep. out in the open, out in the cold yep. yet again because the superdelegates aren't for him. Yeah. And you don't think he runs independent? Well, we're out of time. No, Maybe we'll I pick up on Trump, that. But... Trump would run more independent before R.K. ever did. Interesting. Boy, that would be a ticket. <laughs> Brandon Weikert, you're the best. I love closing my first Thanks, day of the sir. week out with you. Thank you, sir. Thank Brandon you. Weikert has been our guest. Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life is his most recent book, author of many others. And uh, follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon. I'll have a closing thought. Folks, you look around at the uh, economic uh, indices with the stock market's volatility and the bank failures and talk of a recession and certainly the inflation. Uh, where do you invest? Where do you go to invest? Well, why refi has a great answer for that question because they have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Y Refi. They're based here locally. I am. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. Uh, no one's going to ask you to sign anything. No one's going to give you a sales pitch. And when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. That's 888-Y-REFI-34. A lot of, I don't know, David, if you're like me or... Bill, if you were, a lot of people were saying to me, when did when did Juneteenth become a federal holiday? When did it become a national holiday? Well, the answer is only two years ago. Uh, maybe it takes us that long to appreciate <laughs> these things. I guess this would be our second celebration of it, commemoration of it. For which I'm for, if you go back to my monologue and just make sure that we're actually honoring what Juneteenth is truly about. And as a friend of mine, Steve, uh, texted me, 
uh, earlier uh, today. He said, uh, make sure to remind your audience to thank Abraham Lincoln and the Union Army and its hundreds of thousands of killed and wounded who made the announcement, the Emancipation Proclamation, remembered today possible. And that's right. Let's remember why there was an Emancipation Proclamation and how we got it. And not this cartoon version of history. I say cartoon version of history because that is what we are living through. You will remember about four months ago, I played a, 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 a cartoon from Disney, of all places, that said Abraham Lincoln freed no slaves. He didn't free the slaves. That is the cartoon version of history, and it's been a cartoon version in a lot of places that have written up June 19th wrongly. You want to understand it rightly? Well, go back to my monologue in the first hour. You can get every monologue and everything on this show at 960thepatriot.com. David, thank you. Bill, thank you. All of you, thank you. We take none of you for granted. We appreciate so much you allow us into your homes and cars and ears, hearts, and heads. Truly, we do. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Leibson. God bless you all and class dismissed.